Hi, good evening. This is Karen Nutt, Director of Child Development Services with the Braille Institute. We welcome you here tonight for the Dr. Bill Telephone Series. This series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. So I'd like to introduce Dr. Bill, and tonight's topic is feeding. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Karen, and I want to thank the entire staff at Braille and all of you parents uh, for being on the call tonight. And tonight is really is sort of a different topic. It doesn't directly relate to vision, but it is a very, very important thing to consider when we have a child who has uh, a vision problem. Again, just to repeat, I think this is a very, very important to talk about uh, because of the fact that there are so many times that parents and caregivers and grandparents, when they come in for their child's vision checkup and we ask them, how are things going? They often say, you know, we see improvements in the way that she's using her vision. We see improvements in the alignment of her eyes. But doctor, the problem is, She's very difficult to feed. She doesn't like to eat. Or she doesn't want to try new things. And she gets very, very angry. And so this is something that really creates a major, major block between the child and the family members when a child is having difficulties with eating and feeding and such. So this evening, we wanted to talk to all of you and to share many ideas, things that you have picked up or things that you have thought of so that we could share it to other parents who have a child who is low vision or who is totally blind. I know one of the things that was very, very interesting, some of you do know my story, but if, if you don't, I had vision all of my life, and then when I was in my 40s, I began to lose vision. And within about five years, I became totally blind. And it was a very interesting type of experience because I didn't expect it to be really any different as far as with eating. I figured, oh, I can eat and drink everything I want, and it, it really wouldn't be that difficult to do. So one of the things that I did learn, though, is after I went blind, Eating was something that really was not as enjoyable. And uh, for those of you who've known me for so many years, you guys know how much I love to eat. D 
Dick Burden, who's recording this podcast, you know, we would go out for Mexican breakfast and have huevos rancheros at Las Hadas restaurant, and, oh, my gosh, we just loved it. But when I couldn't see the food, that's something very, very interesting, because I wasn't really excited about eating at that point. When we were going to the restaurant, I was really excited and thinking, what am I going to order? But after we ordered the food and we are waiting for the food to be delivered to the table, I couldn't see what's on the plate. I had no idea of how the plate was organized. And I was also embarrassed. I said, oh, my gosh, I sure hope I don't, you know, slice the wrong thing and, you know, there's egg yolks spraying across the table and getting all over Dick's shirt or something like that. So, for one thing, the eating experience, it wasn't as climactic as it was before. When I had vision, you know, you look at the food that's prepared and the way that they, they serve it, I mean, it just looks absolutely fantastic, right? Or it could be that they're delivering just a pizza to you. But you look at that pizza when it's coming and the cheese is melted and, you know, you have pepperoni or mushrooms or whatever it is that you like. You know, it just looks fantastic. You cannot wait to dig in. But when you don't have vision or if your vision is reduced, you don't receive that same type of visual stimulus clue that makes you get extra excited about it. So as a result, eating among children and infants who have low vision, they may not be as excitable about eating the way that a child or an adult who does have vision. I also know that when we're looking at children who have low vision or if they are then totally blind, many times these kids aren't truly aware of what we're doing. We might be saying to them with our words, okay, it's going to be time to eat or what have you, but they really don't know if it's the time that we're playing a game or are, are we in the car? Is the car going to start moving? So the first thing about getting ready, getting a child ready to eat, even at a very, very young age, is that, number one, we have to really try to set the same type of environment for the child. So what I mean by that, we're going to have better success trying to teach a child to eat and to drink if we have that same type of setting. We'll begin at home, and there may be a chair that works very, very well for mom, where mom could be comfortable and she could place the child in her arm 
and it'll be at a very comfortable angle for the baby to simply turn and fill the nipple and then to drink. And that is usually going to be the position that a child is most comfortable with eating because that is usually going to be the position that the child is feeding most all the time. You know, children usually will become hungry after eating every hour to every two hours. So can you imagine the work that mom has to go through to be feeding the child every hour to every two hours? So we sort of recommend that mothers will try to keep it as regular as possible. So we'll say, how about after every hour and a half, we're going to go ahead and we're going to try to feed the baby. Number two, we really want to recommend that you're going to use the same towel or the same diaper type of cloth that you're wrapping your child with while you're feeding all the time because the child will become familiar with that particular blanket. The child's going to become familiar with the texture of that blanket and that will help the child to then know that this is then eating time. This is the feeding time. Number three, as far as for the mothers, the mothers have to also try their best to use the same types of soap when moms are taking a bath or a shower and not to change the soaps and not to use soaps that are very powerful deodorant soap. Because when a child goes to breastfeed and smells the skin, it may smell very, very different. And this may be something that causes a child to avoid wanting to drink. So we want to consider the fragrances and the textures as well. Number four. When we are going to uh, feed the child, it is also very important to try to keep the same type of lighting, the same type of lighting when you're going to be feeding. So, for example, it might be in the middle of the night. It might be 10 o'clock at night and it, the, the baby is hungry. Well, we would prefer that we're not going to be going into a super, super bright room that has the 85-inch surround sound TV with surround sound and explosions, all that kind of noise and sensory stimuli, because that's going to agitate the baby. So maybe we're going to keep a, a, a 15 or a 25-watt lamp that's going to be on so that the child will have the ability to use his or her vision as she is then going to be feeding. 
we also would recommend that music could be another way to trigger and remind the baby that this is time to eat. You know, there's certain types of music that's going to get the child very, very excited and the child feels like she wants to dance or something. But there's also other music that the child may really enjoy that's going to be a little bit of a more of a soothing type of music. So when the child hears that soothing music, the child is going to then realize, oh, it's the eating time. This is what I like. This is my eating time. Now, when we're feeding the baby, we also want to try, try your best possible to keep the baby upright. And by keeping the baby upright, the breast milk is going to be going downhill and it's going to be going towards the stomach. But if we have a baby that is being lied down, so the baby is perfectly horizontal. Where I've seen some people, they'll just lie their child flat on the floor, and mom will lie on top of the baby. You know, that's often when the babies will then start to choke. They're not able to swallow the milk and to get it down, and as a result, they start to cough and they choke, and then they throw up and... All the acid from the stomach is something they don't like to taste. And then they develop a very strong negative association. They think, oh, God, this eating stuff, this drinking, this is terrible. I don't like this at all. So to try to keep them in a posture so that they are upright, and that's also going to prepare them for the next phase when we start teaching them to eat other types of foods. Now, when you're going to use a bottle, there may be some mothers who are going to be pumping and using a bottle. It's also going to be very important to try and to use the same bottle the same brand. If you know of one that the child likes and drinks from that bottle, keep buying that same one. It makes things a whole lot easier. But when you try and change to a different brand bottle and the nipple is different, there's many times that the child can sense that and they don't like it. I know that for our daughter... When we switched to a different bottle because it was on sale, it was something to do. It must have smelled differently, the nipple, because our daughter would smell it, and then she would push it away. She wouldn't even try drinking of that any of that milk. And then we discovered that, and we then said, well, hey, let's just try putting this milk into the old bottle, And immediately, she started to drink. So, young children have very, very strong, very keen senses. 
And if we have something that is working, we we really want to keep using and doing that same thing. And we don't have to worry. We really don't have to worry that these kids are going to get tired of the same thing over and over. I used to think that with with my kids. I said, you know, they're not going to want to watch the same video, the same Disney movie over and over. But you know what? They could watch that same Disney movie over and over and over, even though they knew every scene that was coming up next, and even they knew the lines at times, they still wanted to watch that same movie over and over. And the same thing as they got older and they were able to talk, and we would ask them, where would they like to go out for dinner? We're going to go on out for dinner tonight. Let's celebrate as a family. They always pick the same restaurant. Every single time. And it was a Japanese restaurant. Every single time. And I'm thinking, you know, this is really crazy. Because my wife, she would cook a lot of Japanese dishes. So we thought, oh, they would probably be tired of it. Maybe they'd like to go try some pasta or something different. But they would always choose the same restaurant and order the exact same food. So don't worry if you're using the same routine as you're feeding your child because it is something that they will not become tired of. Now, there are some cases where it is not possible for a mother to breastfeed. It may be that there is something medically incompatible between the baby and the mother. It may be that the mother doesn't produce enough milk. Or it could be that there's other types of allergic reactions. And if a child has certain types of allergies, those children may not be able to drink the mother's milk. So the pediatrician is going to inform you of what type of formula that your child should be drinking. And just like we talked about with mother's milk, if a child is using a formula, it is very, very important that we stick to that same brand, use the exact same brand, and we want you to heat it to the same temperature and use that same brand bottle every time. And that is going to make this whole feeding process much, much easier. The pediatrician will recommend a certain type of formula that's going to have the nutrients that your child will need. And that's going to be very, very important so that your child is able to breathe best, so that your child grows better, 
and so that your child doesn't develop severe stomach ache. Now, there are times that your child may become thirsty and maybe it's really not an hour and a half time later since the time that you fed the baby. Should you just go ahead and start nursing the baby again a little bit there? Answer is no. It's okay. It's okay to give your child some water. You can give your child some water in a bottle when the child is still six months or younger. But it's recommended that we wait until that 90 minutes or so so that then we can go ahead and give the baby a full feeding so that the child develops that type of pattern, that cycle. Now, when a baby gets a little bit older, right about the age of six months, that is a time period that we could then begin introducing the child to cereals and other types of foods. It might be strained fruits or it might be strained vegetables. And you've seen all of those little pretty bottles that you could buy in the store that has baby foods in there. So one of the things that's recommended is that at about six months, there may be certain times that we will introduce some of these types of foods. A lot of doctors will recommend that you start with cereal. And you're going to go ahead and put the cereal on a little spoon, and then you're going to apply breast milk or formula so that there is still some of that flavor of the milk. And then you're going to go ahead and feed it to your child. Now, naturally, the first few times that there is a solid piece of food in your child's mouth, your child is probably going to spit it out or cough it out. But very soon, the child will learn to like it, and they will become accustomed to that texture and to that taste. And so it could be that every other feeding, you're going to switch. You may go with breast milk, and then an hour and a half later, maybe it's going to be cereal with milk, and then an hour and a half later, it'll be the breast milk again, and an hour and a half later, it's going to be the cereal and milk. So you could develop this type of feeding cycle so that the child becomes familiar with eating these types of foods. And then it may be two weeks later, instead of the cereal, Maybe you're going to use some of the different types of fruit or some of the vegetable or some of the meat. And you'll still have that same alternating pattern. So the breast milk, 
and then we'll have some solid foods an hour and a half later, and then the breast milk, and an hour and a half later will be the solid food. So you could develop that particular type of cycle. And many children, they will adapt to that very, very easily. But I also have to tell you, there's going to be some kids that are going to be so difficult. It will be so difficult to try and to get them to eat some of these other types of solid foods. Sometimes we're just going to wait. We're going to wait until their body and their mouths and their tongues and their teeth grow and develop. And it may be that at nine months, suddenly they just love eating these solid foods. So we need to keep close track and look at the structures of their mouths. Now, one of the things that we like to do is we like to encourage the family, whoever is feeding the child, to make a clipboard. And on that, you're going to go ahead and write down what time it is, what you ate, how did the baby do with eating it, when did the child pee, when did the child poo, what did the poo look like, or was it diarrhea? So when we keep track this way, we're able to share this information with the doctor. And the doctor could immediately tell if a child has a particular type of allergy. Now, this whole thing with allergies, it's really very, very interesting. I know that for myself, uh, I didn't know anybody in my family with any allergies. I mean, we would be able to eat foods and there was never any type of problem. And my wife, June, she didn't have any types of allergies. There were no problems. And our daughter, the oldest one, she didn't have any types of allergies. And then when our youngest son was born, this kid had tons of allergies. And at first I said, why... What did he touch? Why does he have a rash all over his body? What is this? And we would take him to the emergency doctor, and the doctor said, yeah, he has allergies. We're going to need to do some tests to find out what he's allergic to. And we found out that he was allergic to so many things that we were feeding him. And we, we then ask that question, for a child to inherit an allergy, it, it is not true that both parents have to have that allergy? They said, no, they do not. And uh, even to this day, you know, he is 26 years old, and he has to really watch what he eats because in a lot of cakes, 
and things, they might put a little bit of a certain type of nut in there, and then the next thing you know, he is really having a hard time breathing, and he has to then take his medication. So we want you to put together this list that shows what you have fed your child what does he eat? What does he not like to eat? And which of these foods are actually making him sick? And this is something that will then help the, the doctor. Or maybe at your doctor's office there's a nutritionist there. They'll then create a real nice meal plan so that you will know what to feed your children at different times of the day, and also you will then know when to start cutting back the food. Maybe they don't need to be eating every hour and a half now. Let's go ahead and let's reduce it to every three hours. Because those young babies, they will eat a lot and they will get very, very chubby. So we need to monitor their weight so that they do not get too fat. So what I want to do right now is I'd like to open it up. We have a lot of people on this call who know so much, and I'd like for you to ask any questions that you may have, and we could see if somebody in our audience knows the answer or if I know the answer. But remember, I'm an eye doctor. I'm not a feeding expert. So if you have any questions, or if you have discovered any strategies yourself that help kids to eat more regularly, that would be very good, too. So, Karen, do you have any questions or any of the Braille staff have any questions right now? Does anyone have any questions for Dr. Bill? Dr. Bill, this is Patty. Hi, Patty. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Fine. Thank you. So I have a question, um, and this is for actually a parent. Um, she's struggling, so her daughter is um, completely blind. There's no perception, and she is struggling with introducing new textures. And I know we talked about this earlier, um, that it's okay to continue eating the same food all the time, but her daughter's four now. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Four. Yeah, and, um, you know, she's worried that when she goes to preschool that yeah. she's not going to eat any of the food the school is oh. offering her. And, um, you know, each school is a little different, so she's really concerned, like, what is my daughter going to do if she doesn't eat the food? <laughs> so does, do you or does anybody else have suggestions? And this mom has attempted to introduce new foods to allow her child just to touch food. You know, many, many different things. But, you know, we're open to any new ideas and suggestions. Wow. Now, what is the texture or what is the type of food that she likes? So she likes dry and crunchy. So she'll eat, like, dry cereals, crackers. Oh. She'll eat chicken nuggets, but um, they have to be <laughs> crunchy. 
<laughs> so she likes the dry and crunchy texture. The only texture that she will eat that's a little bit wet might be yogurt. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I have actually had many, many cases like that where a child was born premature or they've had another type of eye problem and they were totally blind. But it didn't only affect their sensitivity of their mouth. But these kids were very sensitive different floors. They wouldn't want to walk on certain types of carpeting, but they would walk on other types. Or if they had new shoes that mom bought them, they feel different, the soles of them, and they would walk with some and others they wouldn't. So what we have done is that we have referred these kids who have this kind of a sensory sensitivity to occupational therapists. And there are occupational therapists that really specialize just in eating, too. But they will go ahead and do different games and introduce different textures and also different temperatures of food. Because some kids will only like warm things, such as warm breast milk. And if you give them anything that's cold, such as like ice cream, oh, they, they just will not tolerate it. So I would say that if we could find an occupational therapist in your area who, who works with feeding, that might be something that's really good. And uh, Karen, do you have a list of occupational therapists or should I try to find a list for you? Patty, is um, the child with regional center or uh, school no, district? She's with the school district, and um, mom is um, actually, along with the TVI and I, we're, we're seeking that right now through her insurance. Okay. Yeah, because I, I agree. Occupational therapist would be really helpful. Oh, good, good. Thank you, Patty. Thank you. Does anybody else have any other suggestions of, of strategies or things that you have used to help your child to eat more easily? You know, one of the things that I, I remember, I remember that a friend of mine who is a dentist, and he and his wife, they did not have any kids until... They were much older. They were trying and trying and trying, and finally, when they were in their 40s, uh, they had a child. And one time we were all out, and that little girl, she had a bottle that was filled with orange juice. And after she got out of the car, she just kept that bottle in her mouth and she is just biting on the nipple with it to hold it. She wasn't using her hands to hold the bottle. And her dad says, you can't hold it like that. You can't walk around with it in your mouth. You have to take that out of your mouth, and you got to get that nipple out of your mouth because all the sugar, I guess there's so much sugar in orange juice, 
He said, that's going to decay her front teeth so quickly. And he says, yeah, he sees that all the time. So many kids, you know, you see these little kids, and they don't have their two front teeth. And it's not because they fell down and they knocked them out, but it's because they drink so much juice, and the parents think, you know, having juice is healthy, but that sugar just eats away at the enamel, and they lose their front teeth. So that's another good reminder that we could do for our kids. Uh, Does anybody else have any other experiences of what's happened with your own child? Or, you know, how about now that your kids are older? I think it gets even harder when your kids are about 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. And they just say, I don't want to eat this food. It just tastes bad. I want McDonald's. (laughs) Well, does anybody else have any any other comments or anything else you'd like to share? Dr. Bill, it's Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Um, Hey, so, I don't know, this might be a silly question, but um, do you think that maybe introducing the child to different sensory textures like water beads, kinetic sand? all of that might be able to help with the processing of textured foods too and, you know, touching them and stuff like that? Could there be, like, a connection between that? Oh, gosh, that is brilliant. That is exactly what the sensory theory is. And when the occupational therapists that treat kids with these types of sensory problems, that's what they do. They're going to go in and let the child start to touch gravel and rock. But, yes, during the therapy, the occupational therapist will introduce different textures, water, oil, grease, all these different types of textures, which the child will then learn to become more familiar with it, with the hands, and that then also relates to how the the mouth can tolerate these different textures. And, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, for example, I'm a third-generation Japanese-American. And so my, my dad is Japanese, my mom is Japanese, our whole family is Japanese. So we would always eat Japanese foods and things when we had family gatherings. But when... We were living just with my mom and dad. My mom would make tacos and enchiladas and spaghetti and, you know, meatloaf, all these regular nice American dishes. Then as I got older, I think I must have been about four or five, my grandmother, she created a huge party for my grandfather. My grandmother was an outstanding chef. But she made what's called mushy rice and sashimi. That's the raw fish. And that was all that we had. And all the people, all the old people, they were so happy. They loved it. I mean, this was delicacy. And my dad said, yeah, try it. And as soon as I put that sashimi fish in my mouth, 
I never felt anything like that before. You know, I don't know how to describe it. You'll have to try it yourself. And I just couldn't eat it. So I thought, well, I'll eat the mushy rice. I never felt anything like that either. It wasn't like oatmeal. It wasn't like anything else. So my dad bailed me out. He ate my fish real quick, and he said, oh, yeah, Bill liked it. Wow. (laughs) But different textures, they truly can affect you in many, many ways. So it's not just with how you eat it, but it's your whole overall performance, how you walk, run, your balance, everything. Okay, does anybody else have any other questions? Okay. Well, Karen, do you have any announcements that you'd like to make to the audience? Uh, We have our parent group tomorrow night at 4 p.m. Please, if you... um, Please talk to your child development consultant if you have not signed up, and um, she can sign you up. So that's tomorrow night, and we look forward to hearing from you again next month, Dr. Bill. Oh, thank you very, very much. And your parent group tomorrow night, is that over the telephone? Yeah, it's over Teams, um, our Teams platform with Microsoft, and um, nice. and it's um, a friendship day. So oh, that's uh, it should great. be fun for the children and the family. So That's great. Hey, well, I hope you guys all have a great time tomorrow night, and we'll talk to all of you in a few weeks when we have our next lecture.